We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are the Jaguars a juggernaut? Did the Chiefs leave a ton of points on the field? We'll cover that and more with week three uh, in our recap of week three on the Riddlewire NFL podcast. Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen uh, with a wild and wacky week three. They're all wild. They're all wacky. But hey, let's let's break down it, it, it out right now. We knew going into this week, Dick, that it was going to be a tough week for Survivor. And sure enough, oh, yeah. the top two picks were were melted off the board in the Chargers and the Chiefs. Uh, if you took the Bengals, you're feeling pretty good. Uh, or the Vikings, and you you feel like you stole one. Yeah. Um, but let, let's start with your, your Jaguars, who looked like a juggernaut yesterday mm-hmm. beating the Chargers. Yeah, second week in a row, I think we're starting with the Jaguars, who have now won back-to-back games by a combined 62-10 to 10, uh, over the Chargers and the Colts. And I, I think this was a game that officially announces that the Jaguars are, you know, maybe not ready to be, to be like a dark horse Super Bowl contender or anything like that, but are at least officially a good team. And right. a team that, you know, it was, not a, it was not a fluke in week two what they did to the Indianapolis Colts, who, of course, bounced back uh, and were able to get a, a backs-against-the-wall win against the Chiefs this week. But, you know, I mean, Justin Herbert played this entire game. I, I know we talked leading up to this game about the concern of, of Herbert starting and maybe taking a hit and, and leaving this game really wasn't an issue. I, I thought, for the most part, he looked like himself. You know, attempted 45 passes, only did take one sack in this game, so did a good job of getting the ball out. Uh, the Chargers did a good job of protect, protecting him, but this Jags defense was all over the place. Uh, I yeah. mean, I thought they did an excellent job. Mike Williams, just one catch on six targets in this game. Josh Palmer ended up having a nice day uh, for, the, for the Chargers. But other than that, uh, this was a, a really, really impressive afternoon by the Jags who continue to just be really efficient on offense too. I mean, 28 of 39 for Lawrence, three more touchdowns, no picks this week. Uh, another big game for James Robinson who ripped off a 50-yard touchdown run Say Jones, Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, all involved in the passing game. I, I, like I said last week, I just continue to be shocked week to week at the difference in confidence and overall competency of this offense. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, it's the, the James Robinson story is quietly one of the better stories in the NFL coming yeah. back from his blown Achilles, uh, especially when he had it, you know, relatively late in the season. Uh, to have that injury and be back for the start of the season and looking as good as ever. I, I'm, I, I continue to be impressed. 
Yeah, I mean, the numbers that I'm looking at right now, he's the number two running back in fantasy points in terms of average fantasy points per game through three weeks behind only Nick Chubb. And part of that is some inconsistency, you know, with some of the bigger names who've, you know, we've seen guys have like one big week and then kind of two down weeks, whereas Robinson has just been really steady all three weeks of the season thus far. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, if the Jags can, can go in and beat Philadelphia uh, next week, uh, maybe that'll be an official announcement that they are, in fact, uh, a Super Bowl dark horse. But, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, you know, to, to have a, a competent team back in my life. And, you know, the, the Jags are, you know, they, they basically dominated the Chargers in, in any statistical category that you want to look at. I mean, this was a, a game where neither team scored in the first quarter. And then after that, uh, the Jags were off and running. It didn't really look back. I mean, 36 carries uh, as a team, 30 combined for Robinson and Travis Etienne. And Etienne, once again, it, it was very similar to the last couple of weeks. Looked really good. You, you kind of wish there was a little more usage. Did have three catches for 30 yards. Um, but when James Robinson is running this well, it's really hard to to look, you know, of tell course. the Jags, hey, could you give some more carries to the rookie? Right. And I, it's a long season. I think like many cases, the you know, and he's, you know, I, I am treating uh, him like a rookie uh, and an yep. ETN. That means that I, I expect him to get more work as the season progresses. Yep. You, you're looking at the Jets, you look at Seattle and how they're treating Brees uh, Hall and Kenneth Walker, respectively. I think that that's a similar situation there. Um, on the Chargers side of things. Okay, I, you can't write this off because I don't think this is – I think there are some definite issues. But, you know, the whole saga with uh, Herbert being a game-time decision, Daniel Popper even saying that the scoreboard now was listing Chase Daniel as the starter about an yeah. hour before the game. And then he was – then it shows that Herbert was practicing with the ones and, okay, it was going to be Herbert starting after all. I mean, there was, there was a lot of uh, – I wouldn't say misdirection, but a lot of confusion going on with that there. They were playing without Corey Lindsley. They're all pro center. Yeah. Um, we saw no what Keenan happened. Keenan Allen. I mean, another game time decision that went awry. Um, you know, there, there's some things that there are definitely problems there that they had to deal with, but also the defense, we expected more out of this defense. They, they invested in this defense to try to prevent against this team, a team's running it down their throat mm-hmm. like this. Right. And, and that's to me kind of why I was still, even if I believe that Justin Herbert is going to be limited or maybe it was going to be Chase Daniel, I was still taking the chargers to win this game straight up and we saw the line you know dramatically fall from you know, i think it was chargers like seven seven and a half and it got all the way down to three uh, in the lead up to game time but I, I still thought you know the chargers defense is so good they'll they'll find a way uh, to keep them in this game and early on that was the case you know they, they force a, a fourth down misfire by the jags on their first possession they punt on their second possession they hold them to two field goals on the next two but it, it kind of got to the point where you know the offense just couldn't do anything and the defense was just on the field for, for such long stretches. I mean, the time of possession in this game was like 39 to 21 in favor of the Jets. I mean, it was, it was just a, a complete beatdown in that respect. Jacksonville ran 75 plays. So I think by the end of the night, you know, the, the defense just couldn't get off the field, you know, was dealing with some fatigue issues. Uh, everybody was seemingly banged up. Uh, I think we saw Joey Bosa get banged up at, at, at one point yeah. in the second half of this game. And um, I think they really miss Keenan Allen offensively. Uh, like we said, another really, really quiet day for Mike Williams. And you know, I feel like we haven't touched on Austin Eckler. You know, we talked about guys, are you panicking, not panicking about heading into week three? And I don't think we brought him up, but man, Austin Eckler, four carries for five yards in this game. Did salvage an okay day with eight catches for 48 through the air. But man, that this this Chargers running game has just been non-existent. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and it's just, it's the lack of volume too. Uh, you know, it. It's the seeing Sony Michelle in early. That first turnover was when Michelle, you know, a throw went through his hands. It might not have been a perfect pass, but the fact is, 
It was Sony Michelle in the passing game, not Austin Eckler. Yep. Eckler got his targets late. You know, Eckler still ended up with eight targets. But again, it's very similar to the Kansas City game where the late garbage time targets salvage somewhat of a day in PPR leagues. But this is not what you paid for. I don't think he scored yet this year. I don't think he has either. And you know, all, uh, some of the other backs that we saw Derrick Henry finally break out this week. You're still waiting for that game from Austin yeah. Eckler. And he's, he's one of those guys who you have, you got a first round pick invested in him. You know, you, you, it's pretty difficult to justify sitting him. Chances are you don't have a, a great option who you feel significantly better about week to week. So it, it's going to be one of those situations where you have to ride it out. And, you know, the Herbert injury certainly doesn't help. I think once he gets back closer to hundred percent, you know, that that'll kind of, uh, rise or what is it the rising tide raises all boats or whatever whatever that phrase is that I just completely botched um, I, I think the offense will look better you know when you don't have that hanging over the only other note I have from this game is Christian Kirk just continues to produce yeah. six for 72 and a touchdown uh, from what I've seen in, in PPR leagues he is now the wide receiver six on the year I mean it's Diggs, Cup, St. Brown, Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Christian Kirk those, those are the big six right now yeah exactly what we thought of going into this yeah season. exactly Good note from Theoc says my biggest takeaway is analyzing non-skill player position injuries is just as important as snap mm-hmm. counts. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent. I mean, Lindsley is a huge one. Yeah. Rush on Slater also left with a biceps injury in this game. Their star left tackle too. Yep. So uh, that's big problems if uh, he's out any extended period of time. Here, uh, tough spot for the Chargers now. One and two after the first three weeks. They do get the Texans next week, so you you would think that's kind of a get right game. Uh, for the Chargers, but it also becomes now kind of one of those high-pressure games on the road where you can't have a letdown. Mandatory game. Yep. I mean, it's kind of like the Bengals going uh, in to face the Jets last week. Yes, very, very similar. Perfect segue there. You know, we set that up professionally. See what we did there. Yeah, very good. Uh, Bengals finally get on the board. Uh, they get they they have a comfortable win over the Jets uh, in this one here, and you know they, they got on them early, and this one was kind of settled early, uh, which mm-hmm. you know, as as a Bengals fan, that was very nice. Yeah, this one, it felt like more than a 15-point spread. I mean, Cincinnati really controlled this game. They were up 20-9 to uh, at the half. And, and really, you know, they went three and out on their last two drives of the half when it seemed like they really had a ton of momentum and were starting to roll. Uh, you know, they opened with a touchdown in the second half. And after that, it, it just felt like this the clock ran out extremely quickly. I mean, they had, they had an 11-play drive that ended up, you know, going out on downs. You know, they punt. They missed a field goal on another long drive. So, uh, yeah. you know, the score doesn't look all that dominant, but – Cincinnati really controlled this game from start to finish. I thought the defense looked really good. Joe Flacco threw two picks. Uh, another 50-plus attempt game for Joe Flacco, who continues to are. lead the league by a yeah. massive margin uh, so far in passing attempts. But um, you know, not, not a ton of fantasy takeaways here. Another really inefficient day for Joe Mixon. 12 for 24 That's on the my ground. Yes. Yeah, I mean, this was the third straight week where it's essentially looked like that. Uh, Tyler Boyd had the long touchdown, broke a nice tackle, 56-yarder. I had him starting in a couple leagues, so that, that was that was very, very nice. Uh, T. Higgins, also 5 for 93, should have had a touchdown, I thought, you know, on review. They, they ended the, up the reversing t- that. The, yeah, the toe heel thing there. Yeah, that, to me, that looked like the toe was down first. It was bang, bang, but really, really nice catch. And it, it, honestly, I'm, I'm glad that, that he finished out this game because it looked like he had another really scary hit, potentially another concussion early on in the season. But it uh, looks like he did avoid that, at least. So we'll, we'll mon- monitor that in the week ahead, but... Uh, looks like a, a potential dodge bullet for T Higgins and that Cincinnati offense. And then on the other side, you know, I mean, it's kind of the same story for the jets where they're, they're playing from behind and you look and you're like, man, Brees Hall, six catches, Garrett Wilson, six catches, Tyler Conklin leads all tight ends in total snaps so far this year. He's the leading receiver on the season for the New York jets. Not somebody we talked about whatsoever uh, in the preseason, but now 
you know, with kind of the scarcity at tight end, like definitely somebody you should be looking into. Yeah. Uh, well, Uzama has been hurt and that's been yep. part of it. He denied his chance at a revenge game. Uh, mm-hmm. very, very cruel. Uh, the gods there, but, uh, uh, you know, but it's it's kind of like okay, yeah. So he he was eight for eighty four. That was pretty, and caught every single target his way. Garrett Wilson left uh, a good stretch of this game with a, a yep. rib injury. Came back though later, so that was good. Uh, some, uh, but yeah, you mentioned the Higgins thing. I was on my way to the airport when that happened, and the announcers were talking about it, and they were worried about him being shaken up. And it looked you know, bad. he had a concussion in week one. So right. keep in mind that you know you worry about the second one, you worry about the third one. Each successive one is you know of greater concern. I'm a little worried about Mixon, but he's also taking the hard carries for the team. Um, yep. I'm just more worried about the run blocking generally. I know Samaje P. Ryan was 9 for 47, and many of those were late when the Jets' defense was mm-hmm. worn down and the Bengals were protecting a lead. So I'm not really drawing too much into that there. Uh, but, yeah, getting Mixon going is going to be huge. Now, they play the Dolphins on Thursday night too, so mm-hmm. short turnaround for this team. We're going to have to watch the injury reports pretty carefully on that one there to see if there's any like Higgins thing popping up or anything like that. Yep. But otherwise, I kind of came through okay in this one here. Yeah, I went. I went Bengals and Survivor this week. Uh, really, never too much of a doubt. You know, it got off to a, a little bit of a slow start in, in, in early on, but um, you know, this this felt like a really obvious bounce back game for Cincinnati. And maybe it wasn't quite as convincing uh, as you wanted it to be, but overall, you know, I think you got to feel like they're on the right track uh, offensively. And yeah, you know, on the Jets side, you know, we got to talk about the breakdown, you know, between Brees Hall and Michael Carter. I think if you're a Brees Hall owner, you come out of this this week feeling a lot better than you did the last two. Yeah. Although Carter still got more carries. Uh, it's kind of funny how that worked out. But, yeah, Brees Hall seems to be the guy in the passing game, though. That's the yep. thing that, that my big takeaway. 11 targets in this one here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good good news on that one there. It's just now it's a matter of getting their offense untracked. They got to find a way to, you know, shorten these games a little bit there. So fl- you're not relying on Joe Flacco throwing it 52 times, getting sacked and pressured other times, yeah. too. Uh, every time he was under pressure, he, you know, it, it, it was a problem. One of his picks was a forced throw into like four four defenders, the Logan Wilson interception. Uh, just just a tough day. Four sacks, two interceptions, no touchdowns. Yeah. They had to settle for four field goals. Yeah, this might be the last we see of Joe Flacco this year. Um, you know, it sounds like there, there's a decent chance that Zach Wilson could be back uh, for week four. Um, so we'll, we'll see about that, but yeah, an interesting run nonetheless, you know, Joe Flacco, I think, I don't know if the plan was, all right, we're going to need you to start these three games and lead the league, uh, in attempts. We're just going to be airing it out left and right. Um, one final note on, on Carter, uh, versus Brees Hall. I mean, we did see uh, on third downs, it was pretty much exclusively Brees Hall. He outsnapped Carter 12 to one in those situations. And the Jets did not have a ton of short yardage situations in this game. Uh, it was not an ideal script, uh, for a running back, but, four to one uh, in terms of short yardage snaps uh, in favor of Brees Hall. So like you said, Michael Carter still out carried Hall 11 to eight, but I think a, a lot of the key metrics starting to favor Hall early on. Yeah, absolutely. The Jets conclude their tour of the AFC North. They face the Steelers this week. Oh, uh, so that's a, that's a tough matchup defensively. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the, it's going to be kind of ugly on the, the battle of the two quarterbacks. We'll see which quarterback plays for the Jets, but, or, or for that matter, the Steelers. Uh, you know, they have 10 days to figure this out. Steelers, really ugly second half offensively there, too. Uh, before we move on, a quick note from our uh, friends at the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All of our podcasts are hosted on the Blue Wire Network. We thank them for that. Thank you for your indulgence and listening to them. Uh, so we mentioned uh, Bengals are facing the Dolphins, and the Dolphins are feeling pretty triumphant right now. Uh, so l- let's get right at this Buffalo Miami game. Game of the you know I, I, game of the early slate, I'd say. Except there were you know the Chiefs Colts was also pretty darn good. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk though about this game here. Uh, what are your bigger takeaways from uh, the the Buffalo side of things? Well, for the Buffalo side of things, they, they had so many opportunities uh, yeah. to take control of this game, to win this game. Um, you know, they were sloppy in the first half, had a, had a drive that ended on a fumble. Uh, it's it still, you know, despite the score being tied at halftime, and it was it was never, you know, one team never really led by more than like four points the entire game. You just kind of had the feeling of Buffalo, uh, you know, was going to come back and, and find a way to win late. I mean, they had a 20-play drive at one point in the second half that took up almost 10 minutes uh, of clock time and, and ended that one in a field yep. goal they missed a field goal uh later in the game they had a 17 play drive uh that that essentially ended on downs you know they, they gave up uh you know a safety late in the game it was just a bizarre uh but bizarre game of, in all respects and then it was also you know you had the situation where Tua takes a big hit gets up stumbles around like a zombie you know it looks like it's like he's goes not coming back in the game yeah. yeah goes to the locker room and then all of a sudden he's back and he, he looks pretty good and I, I know the nfl is you know they announced before the end of the game that they're already uh, you know, they're going to do an investigation uh, into how Tua was handled from a concussion protocol standpoint. Right. I was shocked that he came back into the game uh, based on how that looked initially. But, you know, I mean, if, if he tested out, uh, so be it. But huge win for Miami, improbable win uh, as far as how the time of possession, how the number of plays broke down. There, there's a good stat from Ben Volley who said in, in the last 16 years, NFL teams are two and 106 when they're outgained by at least 275 yards, which the Dolphins were in this game uh, and the only two wins are the dolphins this year and the dolphins two years ago. So just That's another, wild. much like last week, uh, another very, very improbable 
victory for the Miami Dolphins, but here they are as, as one of only, what, three undefeated teams remaining at this point. I think it's, what, Miami, Philly, and, and currently the Giants? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, it shows, It just shows that, you know, every team is going to deal with something at some point in time. Do the Bills have a running problem here? Do they have a short yardage situation problem? This is not the first problem time they've struggled in, like, third and fourth and short, and they've been stymied. Uh, mm-hmm. Devin Singletary is wholly ineffective running the ball. Nine, nine of yeah. thirteen, nine for thirteen. Zach Moss had that one forty-three yard run, but otherwise okay. three for three on the the others there. James Cook mm-hmm. got his one carry as he gets every week, and then he goes off and does whatever James Cook does. Uh, actually, he actually had five targets too, so they're using him a little bit more. But pro- do they do the do the Bills need to fix their running game? Are they too one dimensional right now? I, I mean, it's it's hard to say. I, you're going into this week with the answer would have been no, they're totally fine. They're rolling. But I, I think you got to give credit to the Miami defense. Uh, yeah. I mean, Josh Allen was, was under fire this entire game. Ended up taking four sacks, which for a guy who seemingly gets out of every sack is, is a huge number. Uh, you know, ended up running the ball eight times himself. I mean, they were just, they were kind of out of sorts. They were scrambling around it. It reminded me, you know, in some ways of what we saw from the chiefs uh, against Indianapolis where a game where it, it almost felt like they weren't taking it as seriously as they needed to, you know, you're getting a little bit cute with some of these short yardage calls. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to rip off big plays instead of just extend the drive. Uh, so I, I don't think Buffalo is in major trouble here. But yeah, I mean, if, if you want to poke holes in, in what I still think is probably the most well-rounded team in the league. Yeah, the running game is, is lagging behind uh, a little bit. But we also had some key injuries for the Bills, mostly on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, Both safeties true. were out of this game, which ironically, you know, they didn't really get beat for any big plays. Like that was my big fear coming into the game when you're handicapping this one is, man, you're without your starting safeties against Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. And they held Tyreek Hill to two for 33. Waddle had four for 102, but there was only one long passing play for the Dolphins in this game. So it's hard to say that that was really the problem. Yeah, they converted that one third and 22. Uh, yep. And that was one where you might have thought that maybe the uh, safety should have, pro- you know, because that play over the middle to Waddle, maybe that, that's where they're really missing the safeties on that exactly. one there. I mean, but at the same time, I mean, the, the like you said, the Bills indeed were rolling. Uh, they had a tough divisional road game against a team that's now undefeated still. In the heat, you know, Buffalo going down to Florida in, yep. in September, it, it seems like that's, that's, that's a, a, a story we've told before about them r- running into struggles there. So probably don't want to make too many grand uh, proclamations here. Uh, Chase Edmonds got the two touchdowns, but, uh, you know, he didn't do a whole lot else. Uh, but neither did Mostert. Mostert did less. Uh, so the, the takeaway there was neither was the issue, uh, in, in, at least in this particular week. Yeah, Edmonds ended up getting all five goal line carries for Miami yeah. in this game. So that that bailed out, you know, what was otherwise a, a pretty disappointing day. Only one catch for six yards on one target. Um, but Mostert ended up out snapping him, which is, is something to monitor at the very least over the next couple of weeks. I mean, both guys, it, it feels like are, are kind of equally explosive in, in different ways. So, it, you know, it's hard to really have a true preference. And neither of them ran the ball efficiently. It's not like Mostert was any better. I mean, he had eight for 11 in this game. So not, not any major takeaways there. I mean, with Edmonds, it kind of feels like this has been the case all three weeks, but obviously getting the touchdowns uh, this week did bail him out. Um, you know, in the receiving game, not a, not a ton of takeaways. Mike Kosecki kind of came back down to earth after looking like he showed some signs of life in week two, didn't really do a whole lot. I mean, the Dolphins, Dolphins only ran 39 plays in this game, which is an incredibly low number. I actually looked this up on StatHead, and there's only been 38 instances since 2000 of a team running fewer than 40 plays in a game. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Uh, that is that that's a pretty wild stat there. Uh, so D- Miami goes to face Cincinnati on Thursday night. 
the Bills are at the Ravens on Sunday. So uh, mm-hmm. big road games for both teams coming in here. Uh, you know, Micah Hyde is out for the season with that neck injury. That's brutal. Yeah, uh, yeah it's it's really going to be an issue there. Uh, they got they they uh, they're really shorthanded in the secondary, facing Lamar Jackson and the Ravens team that is rolling right now offensively. Let's talk a little bit about that uh, that that uh, that the the, the Ravens uh, big offensive day in Foxborough. Yeah, Ravens putting up 37 on what's I, I still believe is a pretty good New England Patriots defense and, and a defense that held Baltimore. Uh, it was this was a 14-13 game at the half, and you know yep. at some points uh, at some points it looked like New England was going to be in control, but I, I thought a really good job of of Baltimore uh, bouncing back. You know they, they turned back Jones over twice, three times actually uh, mm-hmm. in the second half if we're counting that late pick. Mac yeah, made some good throws in this game, but some of those picks were were borderline inexcusable. Uh, yeah. And offset what I thought was a, a, a still New England proved that this this Baltimore defense I still don't think is very good. I mean, we saw yep. Stevenson and Harris both ran pretty well. They both got in the end zone. Mac Jones himself got in the end zone on the ground. Uh, but it was kind of the same story for the Ravens where, you know, we're used to them being the team, you know, that can win games like 17 to 12. Um, and instead, now they're having to win games 37 to 26. I mean, they, they have to put up 30 plus points week to week to feel comfortable and once again, we saw Justice Hill get going a little bit. He did have one long run that essentially carried his entire stat line. But as has been the case, it's been big plays through the air, and it's been Lamar Jackson on the ground. The return of J.K. Dobbins, seven carries for 23, didn't really make a big difference in this Baltimore running game. So I think that's still the concern. You're happy to be 2-1 and one if you're Baltimore, but haven't really proven that they can get anybody but Lamar going on the ground. Right. And they kind of ease J.K. Dobbins back in. Um, I think – you're going to see more of him in the future or in yep. the long run, but uh, they did close out this game. Uh, they did uh, have, uh, they, they, they did have a big injury uh, defensively in Marlon Humphrey late, although Humphrey <laughs> hasn't been good so far this season. I remember mm-hmm. you know, in the Miami game, he was getting picked on on the regular. So we'll see about that, but uh, that's a big game against the bills coming up this week. Uh, I think you'll see a little bit more of Dobbins next week. They need to get, Someone else going. Devin Duvernay, all he does is score touchdowns. He found a way to score again this week with a beautiful toe-tap catch. Um, you know, compare that versus the T. Higgins. So that I guess the whole point is you make any contact after you do, lift your feet after that. Don't roll your foot down. Don't don't have the whole foot down. I think that's the answer there. But yeah, apparently uh, that that was my takeaway. I, I really was shocked that they reversed the Higgins one. And I get it. I mean, it almost feels like they they like give the refs give the benefit of the doubt to, to the sideline uh, as opposed to like, you think if it was like a 50, 50, you'd say, all right, you know, let's give it to the receiver. This is a difficult catch. We want more scoring. It's more exciting. Uh, but it almost felt like they were looking for an excuse to call T Higgins out on that play. Um, but like you said, yeah, Duvernay has been great so far. They got him going. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a couple carries on the ground. Didn't really do anything. I mean, two for negative two. Uh, but you know, there, there was one where he, it was like one block away from potentially getting the edge and, and getting into the end zone on the ground. So I love, how they've used him. I think he looks yeah. faster and more explosive than I expected this season. And then another good game for Mark Andrews, who continues to just be by far the number one target for Lamar Jackson. I mean, Bateman and Duvernay have had their big plays over these first three weeks, but Andrews is still very clearly the alpha in that receiving core. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Lamar got sacked four times in this game. He threw yeah. a pick. So, I mean, the Pats defense had their moments. They also fought, you know, Bateman also fumbled. Uh, yeah. lost a fumble on that too. So, I mean, there's been some other issues as far as that goes. Uh, one of the big plays in the game was Aguilar's fumble uh, for the Pats. Uh, heck of a hit. 
uh, by the rookie Kyle Hamilton and a great recovery by Marcus Peters on that one there, just being able to stay in bounds. Uh, that, that was a big play. On the Pat side of things, you said they ran the ball very well. Mac Jones had threw for a lot of yardage, had the rushing touchdown, so it wasn't a bad fantasy day, but the three mm-hmm. picks were pretty bad, three sacks. Uh, and then he had the high ankle sprain at the very end of the game. So that, that might be an issue for this week. That's a major wait and see because he could barely walk. You know, that happened very late in the game. And, I mean, it, he was able to kind of stumble his way to the sideline. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the way that that one just appeared, we'll see, uh, you know, when the injury reports come out later this week. But it wouldn't be shocking if, if Mac Jones' status is in jeopardy uh, for week four. But uh, other than that, I mean, we should probably mention Devontae Parker, five for 156. He looked really yep. good in this game, of course, did not get into the end zone. Uh, you know, the Hunter Henry sadness tour continues. Oh, um, no, cut really, him really not it. rosterable at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's been really disappointing. I mean, Johnny Smith four for 25. I mean, he, he looks like he's in some ways maybe supplanted Henry. Not that there's a lot of fantasy interest in Johnny Smith himself, but uh, yeah, I'm disappointed that, that the Ravens tight ends have not been more productive, but I guess the flip side of that is guys like Parker and, and Bourne and, and even Aguilar, you know, have been, a little bit more explosive than we thought they would be through these first few weeks. Yeah, uh, they, they have. Uh, there was no Jacoby Myers in this game. Yeah. Uh, Kendrick Bourne went four for 58, but he only played 20 snaps. Uh, and, you know, he was in the doghouse uh, because he got, I think he got a fight in training camp and all that. Yep. He's, he's a better player. Like little Jordan Humphrey got 53 snaps. <laughs> um, Aguilar got 51 snaps. Yeah. You know, they need to identify that Bourne's a, a, an option here. And no matter what of it, Sounds like he might be a jerk, but you know, get him on the field because Jones throws it to him when he's out there. Yeah, I mean, Belichick is still one of those coaches that you know it, it kind of seems like is maybe stuck in the past on things like that, where it's like, all right, man, we're, we're three, four weeks into the season, you know, it, you can't let something from the from training camp, uh, you know, really be impacting your game plan when it, when you're talking about a guy who's a you know objectively better player uh, than guys who are getting twice as many snaps as him. But um, yeah, I mean, to put a bow on this game. The Aguilar fumble was just a huge, that was a killer. That was a killer. Yeah. I mean, at the time, the Patriots were driving. That was a huge third down catch and run. That was going to set them up deep in Ravens territory. Uh, and, you know, the way that they were playing at that point, you kind of thought they were going to score and go back up. Uh, but that essentially ended the game. You know, Baltimore recovers that, goes right down, scores to make it an 11-point game, and that was it. Exactly. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more Colts-Chiefs here in a second. But first, a quick note from our friends at Throw. Have you ever bet on sports with your buddies? Brothrow is the only sports betting platform that lets you bet directly with friends. And Brothrow doesn't take a cut of every bet. No fees, no juice, no middleman. Brothrow is not a sports book. You bet on sports directly against other users with no juice or VIG, which saves you a ton of money over time. Betting $11 to win $10 stinks. With Brothrow, you bet $10 to win $10. Brothrow offers a hassle-free sign-up process that lets you get in on the action in seconds. And you don't have to deposit money on Brothrow either. Instead, you pay other betters directly. Throw out your first bet and go to brothrow.com slash roto. That's R-O-T-O. And use code roto. Brothrow is free to sign up. Cut out the middleman and start betting on Brothrow. That's brothrow.com slash roto. All right. So the Chiefs are not one of the undefeated teams in the NFL right now. They lost in just a bizarre game against the Colts. Uh, just I think we were talking at the very beginning that there was just so much left on the field. Uh, so many points left on the field. So many things. I mean, Chris Jones doesn't get a flag for talking. Um, this game's over. I mean, that, by the way, I'm, I, he must have said some magic word. But otherwise, that, that that's just ludicrous to let that be the thing that, that ends a game. But anyways, uh, that that's 
here, neither editorializing neither is neither here nor there. It happened. They still had chances even after that, but uh, this it almost felt like the Chiefs didn't have that sense of urgency in this game. Uh, yeah, it absolutely felt that way from the jump, and that that began by they forced a three and out. You know, the Colts offense looked terrible on the first drive, and then Sky Moore fumbles and sets the Colts up. You know, deep inside KC territory, inside the five yard line. Uh, and, and they're able to punch that in. And it, at that point, it just had the feeling of, oh, boy, here we go. Like, I, yep. I, I, I'm, I'm a sucker. I will say it. I, I took the Chiefs with the points. I thought the Colts are Me not too. a good team. They have not given us any reason to believe that they are a good team through two weeks. Meanwhile, the Chiefs certainly have. And, you know, the argument against it is, hey, the Colts are – their backs are against the wall. They, they need to get a win here. Uh, they, you know, they've only scored one touchdown, I think, through two weeks. Like, they need to get something going. And, you know, it was just – it was such an obvious spot. Uh, for the Colts, and I, I feel like an idiot for for not jumping on that side. But like you said, I mean, the Chiefs. It, this was like a D minus effort by the Chiefs throughout the game. Um, you know, after giving up that touchdown, they they do quick two quick three and outs. Uh, they get on the board, and after that, they're just messing around. You know, they have these like bizarre plays on third and fourth down. They're yeah, they're going for it when they shouldn't have gone for it. At the end of the half, you know, normally the Chiefs would if you have, I think they had what like thirty or forty seconds left on the clock, getting the ball back after a punt we almost always see Kansas city come out aggressively there. And if there's anybody who can go and at least get you a long field goal attempt, it's Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, they just decide to run out the half and you can see Mahomes going at the enemy. I mean, Andy Reid had to kind of pull him away as they're walking to, to the locker room at halftime. So it's just, it's just bad vibes really all around for yeah. the chiefs in this game. And in the second half, you know, the chiefs only possess the ball four times and it's 15 play drive ending in a field goal, a 10-play driver that go out on downs. And in retrospect, it would have been really nice to just take the points and get that field goal. You're at least getting an overtime. And then on the next drive, they miss a really short field goal attempt with your backup kicker. So, yeah. you know, you can say this about every game, but yes, the, the Chiefs probably should have won. It did feel like they were the better team. And it, it just, to me, watching this game, it was, you just got the sense that the Chiefs are like, all right, well, whatever. They could score a touchdown here. We'll be all right. We'll find a way to win. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you allow a, a late touchdown, I think it was the rookie, uh, the rookie tight end. If, if his name is escaping me, Jelani, Jelani Woods. Woods. Jelani yeah. Woods from Virginia um, catches a tight or catches a touchdown to put the Colts up three. And you look at the clock, and there's 24 seconds left. And all of a sudden, the Chiefs are kind of looking around, like, "Oh boy, wait a second, we're actually not going to have time to win this game." Yeah, it was kind of like uh, the tortoise and the hare almost, uh, just running out, running out ahead. Oh, we can waste our time, blah blah blah, and. Oh, yeah, no, it was great. reminiscent of the Raiders last week, I thought, against the Cardinals, where, you know, obviously the yeah. Raiders built a 20 to nothing lead, so maybe they had a little more reason to take their foot off the gas, but that final drive especially, I mean, that was a 16-play drive by the Colts. You know, they, they converted a fourth down, they converted multiple third downs, and you're just, all you need is one stop if you're the Chiefs, and they just could not get it. Never take your foot off the gas, kids. Mm -hmm. Never take your, it's always use the bell desk, never take your foot off the gas. Um, <laughs> the two axioms uh, to live yes. by. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor didn't get untracked in this one, really. 21 Not for 71. Really, no. uh, they targeted him five times. Hines had six targets. At least they had Pittman back. Matt Ryan's still a problem for the Colts. Um, can't evade the pass rush. Got sacked five times in this one. Had the two touchdowns. They, like you said, they got the late drive. Kind of pulled the rabbit out of the hat on this one here. And, you know, if it if not for the uh, the penalty, this game's over. I mean, yeah, it, it really Matt Ryan was not good in this game. He was no. not good. He's going to get the credit for the late touchdown pass. You know, I saw he was getting praised, you know, like for his, you know, he's unflappable, I think was the quote. I'm like, well, he was pretty flappable in week one and week two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he lost a really bad fumble. I mean, he was hit from behind, uh, lost a fumble deep in their own territory and should have lost another one that honestly, the way it, the Colts got so lucky on this bounce, like it, it should have bounced to the Chiefs and likely was going to be returned for a touchdown 
And it was just one of those situations where Kansas City has like five guys trying to scoop it up and nobody jumping on it. Mm -hmm. uh, so Matt Ryan, you know, did throw the two touchdowns, looked a little better than the last couple of weeks, but still very shaky. Like you said, I mean, his his evasiveness is, is almost down to zero at this point in his career. Exactly. Exactly. Clyde Edwards Hilaire didn't do much at all in this game. Seven for zero. Had the rushing touchdown. Long of four. Jerry McKinnon was getting more snaps than him at times. Um, I, I, you know, he was rolling early this season. He was rolling the first quarter of that game against the Chargers. Remember, he yeah. got stepped on, uh, and he was out for a series or two. And I, I guess he had the long run late in that game against the Chargers. So maybe I shouldn't make that connection. But I almost feel like he. I wonder if something's a little bit different with him. If maybe he's off a little bit, and that's why he's used less frequently. Yeah, I mean, he he lost the snap battle to McKinnon. 33 to 25 in this game, um, you know, did, did out target McKinnon and, you know, they split the carry seven to seven, but it's just, again, just a weird game script from Kansas city uh, in this one. Uh, like I said, a lot of bizarre, you know, third and short type of calls. So, you know, not surprising to see that final line for Edwards. Allaire. It definitely felt like a seven for zero game, you know, watching this one. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, chiefs continue to spread it around. Otherwise Juju got eight targets. Kelsey had eight targets. MVS had seven targets. Uh, Sky Moore had zero targets. Sky Moore is not a thing. The only thing he did was fumble a punt. Yeah, well, he fumbled a punt, and then on the next punt, uh, you know, kind of, you could tell he had the jitters a little bit and let one bounce, you know, like inside the, the four yard line. Um, yep. or just, I don't know where. I, I think it rolled all the way down to the four. Like basically, it was one that you for sure want to catch to prevent, you know, getting backed up onto your goal line. Right. And you could tell he kind of bailed at the last second. Um, so you, something to monitor for sure. Anytime you have a rookie returning punts and, and something like that happens, especially early in a game. And it did feel to me like he, he did land uh, in the doghouse a little bit for Mahomes. But yeah, like you said, spreading it around as he said he would do coming into the year. And Travis Kelsey, I mean, four catches on eight targets. A couple of those were, were, were drops that were maybe a little bit behind him. But the type of plays that Kelsey normally makes, you know, should have had another touchdown in this game. It was just kind of the story of the day for Kansas City. Yeah. A, a lot of near misses. Yep. Uh, and yeah, just everybody just off a little bit of it there. Yep. The Chiefs, they, they now have to go to Tampa Bay. Uh, so it doesn't get any easier for them. Uh, the Colts have a huge matchup against their division rival, the Titans, coming up again uh, this this week. Uh, and you know, the Titans finally got on the board. They they beat the Raiders uh, back and forth game in this one. Yeah, I, this was kind of a similar type of script where you felt like, all right, if Tennessee loses this game, you know, the wheels might be off here. You know, this, this might turn, they might have to at least consider the possibility of, all right, you know, how much of a rebuilding on the fly type of season do we want to make this? Although you know, the Jags are running away with the AFC South right now, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's a division that you look at as having this, this juggernaut, you know, like Tennessee could have started 0 three and been like, yeah, you know, two weeks from now we could be tied for first in the division. But um, this is the other game, much like the, the chiefs game that I just, from the jump, I knew I, I, I had invested in the wrong team. We'll say, um, you mm -hmm. know, the Raiders continue to be just woefully disappointing and you know they were bailed out a number of times if Matt Collins doesn't have like the greatest game of his entire career right eight for 158 uh you know bailed completely bailed out Derek Carr uh to, to catch what, what was what could have been the game tying touchdown of, of course they they ended up missing the two-point try afterward but yeah another bizarre game where Devontae Adams you know did get in the end zone but even that one was a, a tough tough contested catch another bailout uh, on what was not a, a great play design I thought by the Raiders deep in the end, deep in uh, Tennessee territory. Um, but once again, the Raiders just got pushed around in this game. They did not look like the better team and they're having major, major issues when they get down, you know, inside the 20, 25 yard line. I mean, it took them, I, I mean, they ran, I, I think they had, they had that kind of reverse scenario 
of what Arizona had against them last week, where they put together this long 14 play drive to go down and potentially tie the game. And they ran like eight or nine plays from inside the Tennessee 20 and just could not get anything open. No, they couldn't. Um, Darren Waller had a hard time. Uh, He could have caught one. That should have been a touchdown perhaps. Uh, And he was the targeted guy in the two point conversion as well. Uh, Yeah. Car got picked in the end zone. Um, yeah, it was I mean, ugly. It's really, really ugly for them right they're, now. They're the only 0-3 team in football right now. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, I guess we, we, got, we got the tie uh, for Houston. Yeah, they've been a massive disappointment, man. And, you know, the, the rest of the AFC West, I mean, obviously Denver's sitting at 2-1, and one, but they don't look fantastic. I mean, KC, uh, I, I would guess at this point, is kind of has to be the prohibitive favorite in the AFC West. But the Raiders could still get back into this. I, I just, I'm shocked that they're sitting at 0-3 and, and have looked as, as incompetent as they have for like entire periods of games. You know, I mean, they've, they've put together like one, what, I mean, one and a half good quarters so far. I mean, they've just, they've been out of sorts. I, I expected better of this offense for sure. I mean, the defense is going to continue, I think, all year to have trouble getting off the field. They got pushed around big time, especially early on in this game. But, you know, the addition of Devontae Adams, like, it hasn't really mattered. You watch the Raiders last year and you're thinking like, man, if, you, if this team had a true number one receiver, they would really be something. And I know they were without Hunter Renfro today. That is a big deal, but yeah, it just, it, something's missing yeah. there. Well, and Hollins was already part of the offense even before Renfro got hurt, but mm. Hollins is, you know, emerging as this, this guy, uh, you know, we thought that <laughs> you, you didn't think that there'd be room for a third receiver, but here we are. And Hollins looks the part. Uh, he looks really good. Uh, I mean, it may have been, been a game of his life. He mossed uh, the, the defender for the yeah. a, a possible touchdown, made a circus catch on another fourth down play. I, I mean, the, all the whole highlight packages. Here are the Raiders on fourth down. Here are the Raiders on fourth down. Exactly. I mean, just, just continually putting themselves in, in bad situations and even the play designs. I mean, probably had no business converting either of those. I mean, one of them was like a 60-yarder that – uh, really bailed them out. And, and you know, if that, if that isn't converted, you know, this game isn't even close and Tennessee is able to run out the clock, but yep. yeah, the, the play calling, you know, even on the two point, it's like that had no chance of being completed. There was like three defenders that were you know in the way of that. Um, you know, if, if it doesn't end up getting picked, it was just another disastrous day uh, for this Raiders offense. And you know, it looks like this season might end up getting away from them. The only other fantasy note I have, I mean, Josh Jacobs played through an illness, ended up flying private to meet the team. Yep. in Tennessee he looked okay ended up winning uh, the majority of the snaps over Brandon Bolden but Foster Moreau 35 snaps Darren Waller 51 snaps so kind of a a, a lot of two tight end sets of course for the right. Raiders but uh, also an interesting split there it is uh, very much so yeah Jacobs actually I thought looked pretty good in all things I thought considered. so too yeah five for uh, 31 through the air yeah on the Titans side they finally get on the board uh yep. Bengals won Colts won Titans won teams that are supposed to be good finally get in their first win in week three Derrick Henry uh 20 for 85, as you said, he looked a little bit better at a 24-yard run. Still not, like, killing him, killing it. But uh, he also had five catches in this one, six yeah. targets. And the one big pass play, though, is funny. He showed, kind of showed why he isn't targeted that much uh, because he bobbled it. You know, it took a little while to get going, but he got going. I mean, it was just yeah. such a good play that despite the lack of clean catches, he still was able to get going. Yeah, it was kind of – it was like a like an 18-wheeler getting going um i mean yep. once he once he got up to speed i mean he looked like vintage derrick henry no question about that uh but yeah it was uh uh yeah reminiscent of why we don't often see him uh, i guess with with five receptions on six targets but nonetheless a, a big bounce back from tennessee and I, I think at least for now a temporary announcement that this team uh is still a force to be reckoned with in that division exactly 
let let's uh, so big, big week. We mentioned uh, Titans have a big one coming up here against the Colts. Raiders get the Broncos uh, this week. So I mean, it, it it's oh, only God. one team has started since two thousand has started zero and three and gone on to make the playoffs, and that's the Texans in two thousand eighteen. You know, the Texans, the king of the wild card week. That's what they were yeah. uh, for a long time. That's your, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough spot to be in there for Josh McDaniel. So, uh, you know, he, he, they need to learn how to win. They they are not doing that right now. Uh, before we move on to the next game, let's uh, get a next note here from our friends at Vivid Seats. Hey, football fans, get your jerseys on and your tailgate snacks ready. That's right. NFL season is back, and so is your chance to score tickets with Vivid Seats. Download the Vivid Seats app or just visit vividseats.com to see your team's schedule, compare tickets, and secure your spot in the stands. As the only ticketing company with a reward program, Vivid Seats is the winning app for NFL fans like you. Earn credit when you buy 10 tickets, then cash it in to catch more games all season long. With tickets from Vivid Seats, you'll go from watching the game to being a part of it. Go to vividseats.com or find us in the App Store to browse unbeatable seats. We'll see you in the stadium. All right, let's move on. Uh, the early slate had a couple other interesting games. Detroit, Minnesota. This was a very interesting one, Nick. Big time. Yeah, it looked like one that Detroit was well prepared for, certainly. I think the Vikings yep. closed as six or six and a half point favorites. Uh, this line didn't really move all that much. I, I thought thought there'd be a little more action on Detroit, a little more momentum around that team, especially with Minnesota getting smacked around the way that it did uh, in Philly and coming in on a short week. But uh, the Vikings, I think, showed a lot of metal here. You know, after going down 14 nothing, they come back, are able to tie the game. They, they end up going down by 10 again uh, and, and get some late scores. But it felt like the Lions, you know, a, a couple coaching miscues, you know, going for it on, on some fourth downs, uh, not, you know, not taking a field goal opportunity late in this game. Uh, and then a, a pretty rough Jared Goff interception that essentially uh, ended this game late. But it was a desperation well, situation, so hard to fault him too much. And the, 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 the one that they did take, was the 54 yarder at the end of the game yeah you know it's like they, they i like that they go for it dan campbell likes to go for it on fourth down but they, they did it almost backwards yeah um you know i it, it was very odd to see uh okay you have austin siebert is your kicker it's right. not you know that's not, not justin, justin tucker. tucker that's not evan mcpherson no what you know if either i think that was the time to go for it that or punt it you go for it and make it okay game's yep. over otherwise you pin them back um, you know, I, I get it, you know, because the, they make the field goal that then, you know, they're up 24, 21 at the time. So, you know what? They, they make the field goal. The Vikings need a touchdown. You miss the field goal. Vikings get a touchdown. I mean, mm-hmm. either way. I mean, just that, that was, that was poor decision-making go kicking a 54 yarder to go up six just didn't make sense. At that point in the game there, were, I mean, there was under, I mean, just over a minute left. At the time. So I, I think at that point, like I, I get the, you know, sometimes it can be frustrating to, to essentially punt from like the 45 yard line. And if it goes into the end zone, you feel like you didn't really flip field position all that much. But in that scenario, the Vikings are getting the ball back, um, you know, with, with no timeouts and like a minute left. Like you just have to trust your defense at that point. And I know it's, it's not always fun going up against Justin Jefferson in those situations. But yeah, you're right. They totally flipped it. You know, you, you I don't know why you think you're going to attempt the 54 yarder and, and not the much closer one. The only thing I guess was, you know, the one that they went for was fourth and one uh, versus I think it was a fourth and four Yeah, uh, when they opted for the long field goal. So I, the yardage does come into play there. But this had the feeling of, of Dan Campbell kind of coaching by feel instead of by logic. And sometimes that can work out for you. I, I think sometimes that, that, that method is you know kind of praised um, right. more than just being a robot. But there are other times where you just kind of want to follow the numbers. Yeah. 
Uh, I hear you on that one there. Uh, about the Lions, Matthew asked, should I be worried as a DeAndre Swift owner? He only had seven carries. Jamal Williams had 20. Uh, yeah. You know, Swift has been limited in practice the last two weeks with an ankle problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, they said he was better this week than he was last when he had to cut some, some big plays. The problem was on his snap count, he didn't get the big plays this time. Long of nine, seven for 31. Mm-hmm. He had uh, four targets, three for 15. Didn't have that big play. And, of course, Williams also got the goal line. Uh, love. I, and the goal line aspect of it is the part that concerns me a little bit, uh, that I, I think Williams is going to be the goal line back. Right, and that was the case even in weeks one and two, especially yep. week one when Swift was healthy. I think Williams vultured two touchdowns inside the five-yard line mm-hmm. in that game. So, yeah, I, I think this is maybe looking like more of a, a true two-back system than we expected. I, I wouldn't worry too much about Swift. It does seem like this, you know, the more exaggerated split is likely a result of that ankle injury. And, you know, it's a little concerning, I guess, that he was supposedly feeling better this week than last week, whereas last mm-hmm. week he ripped off a couple of big plays um, didn't have that benefit this this week, but he was still, you know, the, the far dominant running back as far as snaps on third down. I think I think that's a good sign. Um, and eventually, you know, some of that touchdown luck, even if Jamal Williams is the guy who's, who's more often being put in position, you know, at the goal line, that's right. going to be frustrating all year. I don't think that's going to change, but, um, you know, I, I also don't think we're going to see Jamal Williams, you know, finish the year with more touchdowns than DeAndre Swift. I think, I think Williams is maybe, um, you know, you're not really probably starting him or even rostering him in, in, anything but deeper leagues, but I don't see this kind of continuing. You know, if, if, if there's an opportunity to sell him in any sort of deep league at this point, I would do that. I don't know. I kind of treat him like Melvin Gordon now. Um, yeah, I think it's closer to that he's situation. rostered everywhere and used as a flex in a pinch sort sure. of guy. But, you know, you're right, though. It's either – it's kind of feast or famine with him, and that's the tough part. It's tough to start him, but bye weeks aren't that far away. Um, And when that starts happening, yep. then you're going to need that. On the Viking side, I mean – almost buried the lead here. Dalvin Cook left with a shoulder injury. Now they go and they they're playing in London next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that that one that's against the Saints. Uh, it's officially this is at the Saints, but he he suffered you know he suffered the shoulder injury. Quickly ruled out. He fumbled on that play. Uh, it was, that was one of the big plays in the game. Uh, it shows why the Vikes didn't trade away Alexander Madison. Uh, but Cook yep. yeah, Cook is clearly the better back. I mean it's, it's pretty clear there. He's going to be day-to-day. It's, it's something to watch for there. How worried are you about him? I'm a little more worried this week just because of the situation, right? I mean, you don't mm-hmm. have you don't necessarily have the benefit of a normal week of practice and, you know, a, a normal week of transportation even. I mean, you got to – I assume they'll be hitting the road for London within the next day or two to try to acclimate. So you don't – I mean, there's going to be a big-time question marks, I think, leading up to this game. I know Tom Pelissero of, of NFL Network you know, reported yesterday night that the hope – is that Dalvin Cook, you know, could just kind of throw on one of those harnesses that essentially keeps your shoulder in place and play through it. It, it seems like as of now, that's that's the, the quote-unquote plan, but we'll see. I, I've never dislocated my shoulder. I would imagine there's a fair amount of, of residual pain that comes with that. So at the very least, I mean, we can't be shocked uh, if he's limited next week. And, you know, I mean, the Saints looked awful against Carolina this past week, but the running running defense for the Saints has been good so far this year. So even even with a healthy Dalvin Cook, given the situation in London and given the defense that he's facing, um, wouldn't be an ideal matchup in week four. Yeah. Matt Leahy uh, mentions that Cook has a, a history with these two. Yep. That could, yep. that could spin both ways. One, he's used to it and he can knows, knows how to adjust to it and maybe deal with the pain better. Or yep. two, it means that it's always unstable. Uh, I mean, you know, that's, that's a negative spin on that one there. So could spin in either way. I mean, the other thing is this is two weeks in a row where Just, Justin Jefferson did nothing. Uh, Jefferson was mm-hmm. three for 14 in this one, only six targets. 
KJ Osborne was wide open on the game-winning touchdown and a couple times on the game-winning drive. You know, Jefferson is drawing the very best. Okuda was all over uh, Jefferson in this game. But, you know, elite receivers are supposed to beat, you know, even the elite cover corners here. And that just didn't happen. We saw more Thielen this week finally. Thielen got in the end zone, 6 for 61. Um, Any level of concern if you have Justin Jefferson, like, for instance, me, who has him everywhere? Well, we have one week of him looking like the best receiver in the league, bar none. And now Mm -hmm. we have two weeks where I don't think it's Jefferson's fault or even Minnesota's fault. I I think you got to tip your cap to the coverage. Um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, when you're, when you're throwing all your weapons at shutting down Jefferson, that does leave you vulnerable to guys like KJ Osborne, you know, like you said, was wide open on a, a terrible time to have a busted coverage for the lions. But, you know, yeah. if, if you're going to hold Jefferson to 14 yards, that means guys like Osborne and Thielen uh, are, are going to have more opportunities. They combined for almost 140 yards through the air, but I thought it was just a good job by Detroit, much like it was a great job by Philly in week two. I, you know, it, I, I thought Minnesota was doing the right things. I, I think you just got to tip your cap to the defense. And uh, before we move on, by the way, Tom Pelissero just tweeted, uh, we're worried about the ankle with DeAndre Swift. Uh, he sh- he suffered a shoulder sprain in this loss to the Vikings. Uh, quote, not expected to require surgery, but Swift could miss some time. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, ugh. Not good. Ugh, indeed. Uh, so, yeah, but, but level of concern about him suddenly <laughs> skyrocketed. Back to Jefferson real quick the, uh, before we move on. Uh, they face the Saints, which means he also faces Marshawn Lattimore next week. You know, you're worried about Okuda. You're worried about how the Eagles covered him. It doesn't get any easier this week. No, no, it doesn't. And of course, with Jefferson, it's you know one of those guys you absolutely have to ride it out. Um, you know, you're, you're never going to throw Justin Jefferson on the bench. But yeah, I, I think it, it, this is maybe a classic case of after week one. You know, we're starting to wonder. It's like, is he going to have the greatest wide receiver season ever? And uh, part of that, I think, was just going up against the Packers defense that had some busted coverages, was a little bit confused in week one. And uh, I think we're going to see teams continue uh, to put this emphasis on shutting down Jefferson. So uh, well, I, I would I would bank on Justin Jefferson bouncing back at some point. I mean, next week, like we said, is a difficult matchup. But after that, you get the Bears uh, the, the following week. So I, I think he'll get back on track. Yeah. Uh, we, we mentioned how uh, the Saints are Minnesota's opponent. Let's talk about them. Saints went on the road. They lost to Carolina. And it was 22-14, but it really wasn't even that close. Uh, Carolina no. was – I mean, well, score-wise, it wasn't close. The funny thing is the Saints are moving the ball all game up and down the field, but just making countless mistakes. At total yards, 426 to 293. Not as stark as Buffalo-Miami, but still pretty big. Mm-hmm. Total plays was pretty close, 64 to 59. But, I mean, obviously you have a defensive touchdown for Carolina to start the game off on the Camara fumble. That's big. Um, you know, just – Again, this is another one of those games where, you know, Saints really wish they could have this one back. Yeah, this was a sloppy, sloppy game by the Saints. And, you know, it, it in some ways had the, a similar feel to to how the KC game started, where, you know, you give up that fumble touchdown, I think, on their second possession. You just hand Carolina seven free points there, and then you punt, you know, you go three and out three times in a row after that. And you finally string a drive together before the half. It looks like you're going to at least head into the locker room with some momentum, knowing that you're getting the ball back to begin the third quarter, and then you get a field goal blocked. Uh, and then you come out, put another drive together to begin the third quarter and miss that field goal as well. So it was just yep. one of those days for New Orleans. You know, they, they were able to to make this somewhat of a game late. Uh, like you said, you know, tacked on a touchdown uh, with just over two minutes left uh, and then forced a quick three and out by Carolina. Uh, but at that point, you know, like the game time was down to like 15 seconds. So it was a good job of, by Carolina of controlling this one. I mean, the Panthers themselves <laughs> did not play well here. I mean, only 12 no. first downs. They were four of 14 on third down. Uh, they, they missed their only fourth down attempt. I mean, they got 
outgained by like 140 yards. I mean, it was, it was not an impressive showing by the Panthers, but this was just the Saints shooting themselves in the foot. And, you know, huge game for Chris Olave, big game for Traquan Smith. However, that was met with, you know, both Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry leaving this game due to injury. Yeah, yep. Uh, and, of course, Marquez Callaway with the touchdown there. Uh, the 2021 uh, fantasy draft called and Callaway mm-hmm. chimed in there. So got that going. <laughs> yeah, if you can retroactively get those points back, now is the time to, uh, to hit up yeah. your commissioner. And, of course, on the other side, you know, the long touchdown for Carolina, LaVisca Chenault, baby, 67-yarder. One of his two targets in the game. Two for 90, though. Uh, so 67 and a 23, pretty good. Maybe he'll start getting more involved. Um, he could be the uh, Terrace Marshall that, you know, what, what I thought could happen with Terrace Marshall. No uh, Carolina receiver had more than uh, two catches in this game. Christian McCaffrey only had four targets in the passing game. DJ Moore had six targets, but one catch for two yards. Yeah. I mean, DJ, I mean, DJ Moore, I mean, what do you do with him? I mean, is he just a sit at this point in time? You got to think about it. I mean, this is three straight weeks. It, it feels like he's kind of in the same situation as like Darnell Mooney in Chicago. And I, I, I think we think of Chicago as being this like significantly, you know, more antiquated offense that can't move the ball. But I mean, Carolina, we got to start talking about in that context too. I mean, this is the third straight week now where they just, you know, they, they have trouble controlling the ball. They have trouble, you know, running what an ideal number of plays. They were under 60 plays again in this game, despite actually winning the time of possession battle. And, you know, I, I think in some ways they did the right thing by just kind of keep pounding Christian McCaffrey. You know, he didn't really rip off any big plays in this game, but 25 carries. You know, to me, that was just like, all right, we need to do what we can. Once once they went up 13 nothing, it was like, don't let Baker Mayfield lose this game for us. Like, we'll continue uh, to just run McCaffrey. And right. uh, it's hard to fault the Panthers. It got them a win. But, yeah, if, if you're DJ Moore owner, uh, I think you're in, in a full-on panic at this point. Although, weird week all around for receivers. You know, we, we saw the star receivers kind of dominated the first two weeks of the season, but – as of right now, heading in to Monday night, these are the top 10 receivers in PPR scoring this week. Devontae Smith, Mac Hollins, Hollywood Brown, Russell Gage, Zay Jones, Chris Olave, Amari Cooper, Romeo Dubs, Isaiah McKenzie, Devontae Parker. I thought Cup would have gotten there because he had the rushing touchdown and all that. Maybe not, but oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm seeing him at 16.4 points. This is according yeah, still, uh, to Fantasy Pros. Yeah, you'll live with 16.4. That's fine. Yeah. It's the three points, the one point. The two mm-hmm. points that DJ Moore gets, two point three points exactly. or whatever gets. I mean that that's just a killer there. Yeah. Uh, just you're you're right. It was, it was a tough week, but you know, week one was the triumphant week week. You know, round one wide receiver talk. It just shows mm-hmm. that hey, maybe don't draw broad sweeping conclusions from one week. This is yeah. just one week, and that's all it was. And they're not connected to each other either, by the way. No. Uh, they just happen to be the string of performances. Uh, I think that's the better takeaway from that. Um, McCaffrey, I mean, got a hundred yards rushing again, but yeah, he, he dink in the end zone. He's you're fine. Let's let's put it this way: you want him instead of Austin Eckler right now. You know, at least you're getting the workload with McCaffrey. Oh yeah, yeah. The touchdowns will come. I mean, the question is how many? Because this Carolina offense just doesn't look very good, and there's mm-hmm. not a you know they're not sitting in the red zone all that often. Um, you know, like we said, one of their scores came on defense in this game. So um, you know, I, I I think the the upside with McCaffrey compared to what a lot of people thought it would be coming into the year is maybe a little bit lower just due to general incompetence for right. this offense. But yeah, I mean, this was kind of a mirror image of last week where it wasn't pretty, it wasn't super efficient, but still going to get you those hundred yards. And, and like you said, yeah, you'd much rather have him than uh, someone like Eckler or, or even Dalvin Cook now with the injuries. Exactly. Uh, so, okay. So there's two more games left on the early slate. Let's keep rolling here. Uh, Bears and Texans. Uh, one of the, 
horrible, horrible quarterback performances of the week by Justin Fields, and they still won. Eight for 17, 106 yards, two interceptions, five sacks. He did get you 47 rushing yards, that 129-yard run. But, I mean, he, he he's – even in a super flex league, it's hard to start him right now. Yeah. I mean, he's not doing enough on the ground. And in, in this game, he did have a couple of huge scrambles late. And that's that's such an advantage when you're a bad team. Um, I, I thought that was kind of the, the big difference maker is, you know, neither of these teams were in good spots. There was a lot of third and longs. And Justin Fields' ability to extend plays, not take sacks – uh, get out of the pocket. It ultimately made the difference for the Bears in a game that he almost threw away. I mean, threw two really bad picks uh, to the same Houston defender uh, in this game. And uh, I, I thought, you know, Houston had a chance to come down and win it at the end. Davis Mills has a pass, get tipped at the line, gets intercepted by Roquan Smith deep in Houston territory. I mean, that was just, just a disastrous performance by yeah. Houston. Um, you know, we saw David Montgomery get hurt early in this game. Khalil Herbert goes off after that and yeah. you know Tristan Ebner got in the mix as well but Herbert 20 for 157 and two touchdowns had a couple of big runs uh and then Damien Pierce I thought looked really good he was running hard didn't have a ton of space but um you know, really ran hard in this game and out carried Burkhead 20 to 3 still saw Burkhead in there in passing situations of course but uh pretty encouraging performance by Damien Pierce it's just if you're the Texans you're not you're not going to face many matchups where you're in this type of game script where it's you know a close game or, or god forbid you're even leading at times. So yeah, you know, we're not going to see a lot of weeks where Damian Pierce is getting to 20 carries. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so Tyson just traded Damian Pierce kind of hot to get Dalvin cook still has Patterson Barkley hunt chase. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good pilo on cook's health uh, and oh, cook's absolutely. injury. Absolutely. I mean, I, I like doing that one there. I think one of the takeaways here is the, I mean, the bears are going to be able to run the ball all season long. Even last week against the Packers, they ran yeah. very effectively despite not doing anything else on offense. I mean, Khalil Herbert had a bigger day fantasy-wise than I think David Montgomery's ever had. Um, there was a lot of talk in the training camp that Herbert might be the better of the two backs. It didn't play out in terms of snaps that way. You know, Herbert uh, could be a really nice start this upcoming week uh, if he gets the chance at the Giants. Um, yep. Meanwhile, the Texans face the Chargers next week. Could be a good week for Pierce again, too, by the way. Uh, but, yeah, just, you know, he's, he, Her, Herbert looks the part. He looks really good. Yeah, super elusive, uh, you know, a little bit quicker, I think, than, than David Montgomery. I, I thought he looked great. Uh, again, you have to take into the context, you know, going up against Houston. But like you said, that this team was able to move the ball really well, especially in that second half against Green Bay. So we'll, you know, we'll be tracking David Montgomery. Uh, Iberflus said, said after the game that he's day-to-day. Uh, so no real update at this point. But, right. you know, come, come Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll have a little bit better idea. But if he's out, yeah, Khalil Herbert's going to be a hot commodity. Absolutely. If you're a Darnell Mooney owner, I mean, he's obviously a bench at this point in time. Yeah. Is he a cut? Got to think about it, right? I mean, it's – I don't know what else we need to see. Like, there's there's been very few signs that, like, this Bears offense is going to magically turn a corner, right? I mean, it's it, right. the, the rain game in week one will say, okay, well, you can't really throw the ball there. I get that. But, I mean, this was, this was probably the ugliest performance yet for that passing game. And if you can't do it against Houston, which was – I mean, this – Texas defense is abominable. Like one of some of the worst tackling I've ever seen. Um, I mean, missed tackles on almost every single play. If you can't move the ball through the air against this Houston team, there's not a lot of upside here. I mean, it's it's pretty difficult to cut Darnell Mooney, you know, unless you really feel good about who you're adding. But I don't know. I mean, he's he's still. I, I there's going to be weeks, I guess, where he's still viable. But all the upside that that a lot of people thought he had feels like it's completely vanquished at this point. I mean, it's it's going to go down as probably one of the biggest busts of the year. Yeah, I think so too. Um... All right, let's move on to Eagles and Commanders. This one was over early. 
Uh, it, it was just a, yep. a pure stomping by the Eagles in the first half. They shut it down in the second half. Two weeks in a row now, they, they've crushed yep. it in the first half and just did nothing in the second half. I'm, I'm not really concerned, but at the same time, it yep. does take a little bit of the gleam off it there, as we've seen. Don't, don't take your foot off the gas. 24 points in the second quarter, none in the other quarters. They had the weird fourth down play early on. Um, they, they had the fourth down conversion though in the fourth and, and at right before halftime to score a touchdown, which normally I'd be like, eh, maybe you don't want to go for it there, but it worked. Devontae Smith had himself a day. AJ Brown is still a stud, five for 85. Dallas Goddard had a touchdown, but uh, only had uh, four targets. So, but you know, it, it's hard to be too critical because the Eagles won so handily and they're three and oh now, but it, it was re- weird to see him do nothing in the second half like that. Yeah, they only crossed midfield one time in the second half and didn't even get past you know the Washington 45, so really never even threatened to score in the second half. And that's it's a minor concern for sure. I mean, it's, it's obviously it's, you're picking nits when you're up 24 nothing, but you'd like to see a little bit more sure. from this team, especially. I mean, last week against Minnesota, if, if Cousins doesn't throw those three picks, that game looks a lot different. Um, and, and you know, part of that was Philadelphia, like you said, getting a little sloppy. They had that pick on the screen pass, um, letting these teams back into the game and. I think with Washington, you just don't necessarily have to worry about that with, with the talent level of this team. But um, Philly sitting at 3-0, got to feel really good about it, heading into that showdown with the Jags. And Jalen Hurts, man, looked really good again. 340 yeah. yards through the air. Um, had nine carries for 20 yards. Didn't really have to do much with his legs. Uh, came up short on a couple rushing attempts that, that could have resulted in touchdowns. But you'll take right. the three uh, touchdowns through the air. And, man, what a, what a bounce back for Devonte Smith, who we were, we were so worried about him after one week and he looked great in week two and, and had maybe the best game of his career this past week. Meanwhile, the gleam on that commander's offense is definitely gone. Yeah. Uh, Carson Wentz, 25 for 43, 211, nine sacks. That was the real takeaway. Philly's defense was just monstrous. I yeah. mean, the, the Eagles got the late touchdown. If you have Antonio Gibson, you kind of stole some points there. Uh, but man, just, other than that, I mean, it's just just a brutal, brutal game. Uh, you know, uh, offense just didn't do much. Terry McLaurin got hit six for one hundred two, but Samuel seven for forty eight. Uh, Jahan Dotson two for ten. Logan Thomas two for five. I thought Logan Thomas was going to be a good start this week. Mm-hmm. Picked him up in some leagues. You know, that's, this is the thing about when you play the tight end revolver here. I mean, you, yep. you know, tight end roulette, I should say. Uh, just it, it is really kind of the uh, gotta land. Hope you land on your number, but you. Know, this is why you spend up on Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. Exactly. And shockingly, those are two of the top three scorers at the position this week. David Njoku uh, was the other. I mean, he on everybody's yeah. bench. Yeah, yeah, of course. I had almost almost 24 fantasy points in PPR uh, in that Thursday night game. But yeah, you're right. I mean, week to week, it's just you're spinning the wheel. You know, Jelani Woods was a top five tight end this week. Will Disley, you know, Jordan Akins, those guys were in the top 10. Uh, it's going to be really, really fickle week to week. And it's like you said, if you don't have one of those top guys, it's pretty frustrating. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, all right, let's keep rolling here. Uh, get, to, get to the late-night games. Uh, starting off, uh, we already talked Jaguars, so that's one oh, yeah. we can knock out. Check that one off. Yes, yes. Start Lead with your lead story. Um, so let's talk a little Packers and the Bucks. Uh, you know, Slugfest. This is one we kind of expected it, though, too. Yep. Uh, with all, all these key players missing on e- each side, and, you know, the Packers still trying to find their way offensively a little bit with their new – with their uh, their their new uh, receiver core, you knew this was happening a little bit there. But the Bucks, they're just completely uh, just strapped offensively. They were missing left tackle Donovan Smith, no Evans, no Godwin, no Julio. 
Leonard Fournette was limited all week in practice. Russell Gage was limited all week in practice, was in and out with that hamstring injury. I guess it's kind of a predictable result. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this Bucks offense is now up to three touchdowns in three weeks yeah. total. Uh, I think Brady has one passing touchdown in each game so far. I mean, it was ugly. And I, I picked the Bucks in this game. I, I gave the benefit to the home team. I, I thought they usually find a way uh, that defense does to bother Aaron Rodgers. And they did pick off Aaron Rodgers. They did essentially stifle the Packers the entire second half. Green Bay did not score in the second half and, you know, almost, you know, broke this game open. I think it was just before halftime. Aaron Jones fumbled at like the one yard line. Um, and, and that kind of set in motion what was a, a pretty yeah. struggle filled second half. But Aaron Rodgers looked fantastic to be in this game. He was dicing up the Buccaneers yep. in the first and second quarter, finishes right. 27 of 35 for 255 and two scores. Did have the pick. That was a little ugly, but uh, I, I think for the most part, this game played out almost exactly as we expected. Didn't Maybe didn't expect 20, ca- or 20 catches, 12 catches on 13 targets for Russell Gage. But other than that, it was ugly. It was sloppy. It was a lot of third and sixes that weren't converted. Neither team could really run the ball. Uh, and, and I think we expected a low-scoring game, and we got it. Yeah, uh, you might see a lot more of those for the Bucks. I mean, their defense is still crushing. Uh, yeah, you gotta the defense say, looks great. The defense looks great, but, man, they're just they're missing all these guys. They, they host the Chiefs next week. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't think the Chiefs are going to string two bad uh, offensive games in a row together. Although maybe. I mean, we, the seeds of this were so, shown with the Chiefs there, too, a little bit in the Thursday night game against the Chargers where they had to punt four times mm-hmm. in the first half. Mahomes should have been picked more than he was, had that one interception overturned in that game. I mean, maybe it's just, you know, hey, we're in a, we, we talked about this last week. Scoring is actually down um, and across the league right now. And this, this week didn't really change that. No. And, and as we talked about, a lot of the culprits are teams like the Bucks and the Packers. I mean, these are teams that the last few years are averaging close to 30 points per game. And both these offenses are lagging behind. And then you know, even a team like Buffalo doesn't get to 20 points. KC doesn't get to 20 points this week. So the, the defenses continue uh, to look to be ahead of the offenses at this point in the year. And yeah, like you said, Bucks chiefs, that'll be Sunday night football next week. That'll be a fantastic one. After that, the Bucks do get the Falcons, the Steelers and the Panthers in consecutive weeks. So, you know, in theory, you can afford to lose to the chiefs. You, you think you have three games that you feel pretty good about after that, but this Bucks offense, I mean, until they get healthy, it's, it's going to be pretty ugly. Yep. It is. Uh, and you don't run the ball very well against Tampa Bay. So on, on the Packers side of things, I'm not really that concerned about Jones and Dylan having bad games. You just you no. just don't run against the Bucks. I mean, this this is something that's carried over from last year and kind of held true. They couldn't get Aaron Jones on track. They couldn't get Dylan on track. I, I, I wouldn't read too much into this, except it was just a tough opponent. Uh, big game for the Packers next. Uh, you know, it's all every week's a big game. They did get uh, Bakhtiari back in part. Um, yep. he, he didn't play the whole game. He was alternating series there, but uh, you know, hey, that that is. Kind of, uh, you know, this is this is something that uh, they kind of working them back, and they brought them back too soon last year. So this is good that they got that that going at least. Yeah, he said after the game he didn't love that he was kind of alternating series with Josh Nyman, uh, and it sounds like he came out of this game feeling pretty good. So I think the expectation is next week uh, the Packers are home for New England. Uh, next week we we probably see Bakhtiari back and closer to a full capacity. But uh, New England, the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders are the next four for the Green Bay Packers. And one of those games is in London, uh, two are at home, and then they're at Washington. So a, a very nice stretch coming up here for Green Bay uh, to potentially you know, have a very good chance. They'll be heavy favorites in all those games to string together four straight wins. Exactly. 
Uh, one more uh, promotional note before we move on to the next game. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action that you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that, too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win. Daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So, what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. All right. Uh, in the late window, another slugfest defensively was the Rams and the Cardinals. 20-12 to 12 in this one. And the Cardinals, I mean, they got Kyler Murray got his yards late, but the struggle was real on this one. They they really struggled to move the ball on this one. Yeah, they did. And and kind of what we expected. You know, I, I personally am not, I'm not ready to buy in on Arizona after a, a comeback win against a Raiders team that, like you said, is the only 0-3 team in the league right now. They look like they're uh, heading toward a potential disaster. And I mean, yeah. Murray needed 58 attempts to get to 314 yards, right. did not uh, throw a touchdown in this game, did not run for a touchdown in this game, really didn't do much of anything on the ground. Nice day for, for Marquise Brown. Um, you know, Greg Dorch kind of continues to, to be a revelation right, right now. Uh, the, the new Rondell Moore, 9 for 80. Uh, on 10 targets for Greg Dorch, but certainly helped out by the game script here. Uh, we saw Cam Akers get going. We saw Cooper Cup get in the end zone on the ground. Cup dropped a, another touchdown from Stafford. It would have been a, a fairly difficult catch, but by Cup standards, you'd normally expect him to bring that one in. But kind of a weird game for the Rams. I mean, at first, it, it looked like they were maybe going to be rolling toward a blowout. You know, they, they score a touchdown and get a field goal early. And then after that, it was, it was kind of Eagles-like, you know, essentially shut it down until they tacked on uh, that Cup rushing touchdown in the second half, right. but this was one of those games that it just felt like wasn't even odd red zone at all in the second half. Like each team, I think each team only possessed the ball like three times in the second half, kind of a weird game, but for as good as the Rams are, they, they do tend to find ways to ugly up games that don't need to be this ugly. Well, you know, they, I think one of the things for the Rams is I know it didn't show in the sack total, but I think that offensive line is not fully firing in all cylinders. No um that you know they lost Whitworth to retirement uh they they struggled on opening night obviously I I think there's still a little bit of a a little bit of a work in progress still uh the good news is they didn't turn the ball you know Stafford didn't turn the ball over Mm -hmm. Cam Akers did lose a fumble uh the other takeaway too is it was Akers over Henderson now Uh, we're back to where where we started although Akers got the late touchdown otherwise it was setting up to be another disappointing day for him too 12 for 61 with the touchdown did have the uh, did not have any catches in this one. Henderson didn't either. Henderson had only had one target. So the backs weren't in, as involved as I thought. And you know when you see Cooper Cup getting the rushing touchdown, you're like, uh, okay, that's how it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, almost an even split for those two. Twenty five to twenty three snaps in favor of Henderson. That's small uh, for both, though. Yeah, right. Well, and Acres. I mean, they only ran like they ran under fifty plays in this game. I think they ran forty eight exactly on offense. So there wasn't a ton of usage either way. Uh, Akers getting most of the carries, like you said. Henderson, though, still in there uh, on third downs. He got all five third down snaps, uh, was in there during the two-minute drill. And then uh, we actually saw a split. Two goal line carries for Akers, or excuse me, two goal line snaps for Akers, three goal line snaps for Darrell Henderson. So they, they kind of seem to be riding the hot hand in those instances. But uh, much like the Chiefs, much like the Bills, like the Rams got a little cute. You know, they had a first and goal. Uh, I think it was their first or second drive of the game. They end up settling for a field goal. They had a first and goal from the four yard line and threw three or four straight passes that were yeah. just like, why, you know, like you're running the ball. Well, at this point in the game, just pound it in, just pound it in. That's what's gotten you down there. And it looked like they were trying to force the ball to Allen Robinson. He dropped one. The other wasn't open. 
Um, again, yeah. that's just kind of what I'm talking about with the Rams. Like they just they just do frustrating things that are not necessary. Right, and you know if you're like if you're looking at you know if, if you're looking as an Allen Robinson manager, like I am in many cases, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the difference between a decent day and another disaster. This is two disasters out of three yep. games. Yep, exactly, exactly. If he catches that touchdown, it was it was essentially like a I guess a four yarder. If it was first a goal from the four, um, you know, hit him right in the shoulder pad. If he catches that, I think we we contextualize his day a little bit differently. But um, yeah, another frustrating week if you're an Allen Robinson owner, but. Uh, no other notes for me in that one. I, I think we can move on to either what Atlanta, Seattle, or or get to the Sunday night game. Let's do Atlanta, Seattle. That actually was quietly kind of fun. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, this was a game that I had no idea what to expect. I, I picked Atlanta. I didn't feel great about it. Um, you know, the Seahawks always find a way to to make these games interesting, whether they win or not. But saw another big day for Cordero Patterson, seventeen for one forty one and a touchdown. He carried that offense throughout yeah. the second half. Kyle Pitts. I would say by his standards, got on track five for 87 did not get in the end zone. That's frustrating, but led the Falcons with eight targets in a game where they only threw the ball 20 times. So you got to be, you know, I think if you just look at Mariota's line, you're panicking, uh, but you're happy with how it ended up for Pitts. Yeah. And they established Pitts early too. Yep. Um, Felb. Yeah. Neither neither team was playing a whole lot of defense in the first half. Uh, Patterson was, is definitely, you know, the guy and, you know, Algier is there. He, he's the kind of the change of pace guy, but that's about it. Uh, Drake London didn't do a ton in this one after being a target monster last week there. But again, only 20 throws. I think that's what happens. Uh, Mariota got the rushing touchdown on an otherwise meh rushing day. Uh, but that, 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 that all added up to be just enough. And then all the scoring, 50 points in the first three quarters, nothing in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's how it goes. Of course, you know, the defenses finally show up late in this game, but uh, another touchdown for Drake London. Like you said, he's now pretty clearly the favorite for offensive rookie of the year. I, I know at DraftKings, he's at plus 450. Uh, and then Chris Olave and Romeo Dubs uh, are, are next up at eight to one. So uh, he's established a, a slight lead over those guys. But I mean, that could change week to week. You know, Jahan sure. Dotson's going to be in the mix. I think Brees Hall is going to end up being in the mix. And, and even Garrett Wilson, who we didn't touch on with the Jets, looked good in that game, was, was out of the game briefly, uh, took a pretty tough hit. Uh, it looks like that's going to be less severe than it initially looked, but, um, yeah. yeah, some of these rookie receivers that we initially were not all that excited about, um, you know, starting to come around. Yeah, indeed. On the Seahawks side of things, uh, Geno Smith actually had a good fantasy day, yep. 325 yards, two touchdowns, did throw a pick though. Uh, two took two sacks, uh, really, you know, Tyler Lock and DK Metcalf kept on getting forced targets and you'd like to see that. Uh, if you have either one of those 11 and uh, Lockett had 11 targets, uh, mm-hmm. Metcalf had 12, Metcalf had the touchdown, Lockett had 76 yards. You'll take that. You'll take those numbers from those guys. Oh, 100%. I, I think, you know, Metcalf especially was kind of on the, uh, you know, are we in panic territory mode list coming into this week? And yeah, I, I think he's definitely on a different level than Moore and Mooney. Like the, the Seahawks offense has looked competent enough that um, I, I think days like this are, are going to be very replicable. Uh, I think maybe some of those like massive games that we've seen from Metcalf in the past, uh, mm-hmm. get a struggle to get there this year, but, um, you can live with this five for 64 and a touchdown made a really nice catch on that touchdown. Not efficient. I mean, caught only five of 12 targets, but again, you were more concerned with the targets in general. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Not much else from that takeaway from that nope. game. Let's finish with the Sunday night game. Oh boy. What an ugly, ugly, slugfest type of game not really surprising uh given the, the struggles from each team so far offensively uh but 
just a bizarro game. Jimmy G pulling the uh, Dan Orlovsky, uh, which actually was the better of the two possible results on that play. Uh, just, you know, the, the Niners left a lot of points on the board in the first half. And, and of course, that comes back to haunt you. Yep, of course. And the safety ended up factoring in as well. Um, I mean, this was a disaster game for the 49ers offense. Who, you know, they came down on their second drive, had put together a really nice touchdown drive. Uh, and you're starting to think that they're going to be in control with the way Denver was playing on offense. But uh, San Francisco went 12 straight drives without running more than five plays. I mean, it was disastrous. At least with Denver, they were picking up first downs. I mean, they, they had a couple drives that stalled um, you know, on a missed field goal in the second half. And um, I, I, it, was, it was ugly for both sides. But I, I actually came out of the game feeling better about Denver's offense somehow. Um, I mean, Jimmy G just had nothing going. If, if, if the Niners were in an obvious passing situation, you felt like they had like a 5% chance to pick up like a third and eight. I mean, it was, it was as ugly as it could possibly be. And then really bad fumble by Jeff Wilson late in that game when it looked like, you know, yeah. he was about to pick up a first down San Francisco uh, needed to string together a drive just to at least get into field goal range and uh, a fitting way, I think for this game to end. Yeah, well, it, it, indeed. And you know, Wilson only had 12 carries they, again, another team that didn't run a lot of plays. Yes. When you have lots of three and outs, that that's what happens. Uh, yeah. Debo, couldn't get on track running the ball. They did did, did find the passing game. Ayuk had the touchdown. Kittle in his first game back had five targets. I benched Njoku just to make take the roll the dice with Kittle. And yeah, that one's that one's feeling pretty good right about now. I think you did the right thing, logic wise. I do too. Um, actually. But man, yeah. I mean, especially seeing Njoku do that on Thursday night, you know, kind of knowing what what Kittle has to do to uh to outpace him. But yeah, I mean Kittle looked fine. I, I just the Niner, I mean, Garoppolo was just bad. He was just really bad in this game. I mean, they, they didn't even convert a third down until late in the fourth quarter on a throw that the announcers are like, yeah, that probably should have been a pick six if the defender right. was in a little bit better spot. I mean, it was it was really, really rough. And this, it has you questioning some things. You know, I mean, the, the, the 49ers have put together one game where they've looked good on offense, and that was against a bad Seattle team. Um, and they get the Rams next week. I mean, that's that's never going to be easy as well. There's, there's a world in which the Niners are sitting at one and three here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's a reason why everyone was clamoring for Trey Lance to be the starter. There's a reason why they traded up to draft him. It was clear that Jimmy G has certain limitations and certain games like this. He cannot overcome that. And this is one, you know, it's not like Russ looked good, by the way. I oh, mean, he looked awful. Yeah. And, you know, he, he did have the big scramble, the 12 yard scramble at one point. Yeah. That was a big play, but still six for 17 rushing yards. He, you know, they didn't throw any interceptions this time, but. Yeah. Um, and they did establish court and Sutton a little bit more, but I don't know. Just again, they have this fascination with playing Melvin Gordon. Gordon put the ball on the ground twice in this twice, game. He yeah. Got the touchdown. Uh, he had five for 29 in the passing game, but I mean, Javante Williams is just sitting there and he's the, he's clearly the better running back. Uh, you know, maybe Sutton and Gordon's got maybe a little bit more valuable in the passing game, which is kind of ironic given his, now he started his career, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It just it seems to me like they they go out of their way to do things to not get the best players the ball more often. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. Uh, I mean, Williams passes the eye test more than Gordon. That's for sure. Like you said, Gordon fumbled twice. Was extremely lucky to get both of those back. Uh, yep. There were a couple plays. I mean, Wilson fumbled at one point. Wilson should have thrown a pick. There's one that was you know deflected and kind of landed in the one spot where it wouldn't be intercepted. Right. Uh, so he did not play well in this game, but. Um, you know, similarly to what I said about, you know, Fields and Davis Mills, like the difference in that game was Justin Fields being able to just evade, uh, make a couple plays late in that game with his legs. It felt the same for Russell Wilson. You know, the, the, yeah. he kind of bailed them out despite not throwing the ball well, and making some pretty questionable decisions throughout the night. 
he did have those two big scrambles at the end of the game. Like those plays are sacks for the 49ers. Jimmy G does not have that ability to get out of the pocket and do what Wilson did. So um, really disappointing game from San Francisco. I I think to not be able to capitalize with how well your defense is playing amid some injuries too. And we should also mention San Francisco lost Trent Williams in this game, did not return, looked like an ankle issue. Uh, for him. Um, and that's not a guy who, you know, is easily knocked out of the game. So very, very concerning for the 49ers. Yeah. And they don't have a whole lot of depth behind them there. And no. guess what? The Rams come to town on Monday night next week too. So talking about the Rams yeah. defense, really finding their way last week, this week. Uh, now they face the Niners. It's, you know, and they, you know, regular season Niners Rams was a completely different story than the playoffs. Uh, obviously even in the playoffs, I mean, the Niners had that, uh, they let it through their fingers, notably with the, the dropped interception in that in the mm-hmm. NFC Championship game. We, we could be talking a very different story about the, the Niners and their, their background oh, yeah. here. Instead, we're very concerned about their offense. Uh, again, and if Williams can't play on Monday night, that's going to be a big blow. It was huge. I mean, it was immediately noticeable when he was yeah. out of the game. And I think they put in Jalen Moore initially and then next series he was out and he didn't yep. play the rest of the night i mean he, they were he was so bad uh, and that that first you know i think it was only like three or four plays that they would they ended up dipping into basically their third string left tackle yeah, for the rest the of the night so i mean it yeah. was yeah it was a noticeable drop off immediately obviously it's always going to be that way when you're talking about the best left tackle in the game but they didn't even have a, a competent stopgap and that was that to me felt like a major turning point um, obviously even with williams in the game the niners weren't moving the ball but they had no chance once he came out Nope, nope. Uh, they're going to have to spend a lot of time in practice, you know, preparing for that eventuality this week there, just to even yeah. find a way to get a stopgap there. But as you can tell, when, when you got a weak spot on the offensive line, NFL teams see blood. I mean, they're like sharks. And it's, I look at the, you know, Bengals last year, a clear weak spots in their offensive line. And they got ex- regularly exploited. So, you know, teams are smart. They'll pick up on that pretty quickly. Yeah, 100%. And after the Rams, schedule does soften up for a couple weeks for the Niners. So I, I think they'll end up being okay. But yeah. uh, middle, I mean, the middle of their schedule is rough too. I mean, it's Rams, Panthers, Falcons, and then Chiefs, Rams again, Chargers, Cardinals, Saints, Dolphins, Bucks. I mean, that's this, this season could go a little bit more sideways, I, I think. And, you know, maybe they get it together. They've, they've always found ways in the past, but uh, things are looking a little shaky so far for San Francisco. And I, I think losing that game against the, the Bears in week one, at the time, we just kind of wrote it off. But it could come back to haunt them. Yep, that's right. Um, all right, well, that's going to close it off here. Uh, unless you had anything else to add, I know we uh, we did our thorough thing again as we always do, and I like that. Yeah. Um, big guy. Jags are two to one to win the AFC South. That's it. Yeah, life is good. All right, life we'll leave good. on that note. Thanks everybody for uh, tuning in. Uh, we'll be back at you again. I'll be back on SiriusXM on Thursday. Uh, otherwise, uh, Nick and I'll be back at you again next time Monday. Take care. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.